Welcome to Nevertheless, She Persisted. I'm your host, Sadie. Every Friday, I post interviews about mental health, dialectical behavioral therapy, and teenage life. These episodes break down my mental health journey, teach skills to help you cope with life, and showcase testimonials from teens just like you. Whether you've struggled yourself or just want to improve your mental fitness, this podcast is your inspiration to live a life you love and keep persisting. This week on She Persisted. When I look at the research, there's a five to 10 minute window of where you really want to end your life. I started having really severe symptoms of depression when I was like 12 or 13. And so my parents were just as involved in my journey as I was. If we start to feel ineffective in any of those areas, it creates that feeling of hopelessness. Welcome back to another episode of She Persisted. This week's interview is with Leo Flowers. Leo is a comedian, TEDx speaker, former D1 athlete, and the host of the Before You Kill Yourself podcast. He also has his MA in counseling and psychology and works as a life coach. This episode is so crucial to anyone who is currently struggling with suicidal ideation or has in the past. As someone who has struggled with this, I related so much to what Leo was saying and he gives amazing tips. If you know someone who is struggling with suicidal ideation, I highly recommend listening to this episode or telling them to give it a listen as well. I hope you guys enjoy this episode as much as I enjoyed recording it. Let's get into it. Hey, Leo. Thank you so much for joining me on She Persisted today. I'm so happy to have you on the show. I, you know, I was listening to your podcast and I love how it's evolved and just I think you have like 40 episodes up. Yeah, yeah. To the intros and and they've slowly changed. Yeah. So that was cool to hear. Yeah, no, I started recording on an iPod Touch and I would edit an iMovie, not even on a computer. And no one really tells you to podcast. There's not really like a how to for that. It was so much trial and error. And over the past year, the quality has definitely improved immensely. So whenever people are like, oh, you have a show. And I'm like, please listen to the most recent episodes because it's just a world of a difference in terms of quality, both the audio and the interviews. So yeah. So I always like to start episodes by asking the guest what their mental health story is. What's their journey? What led them to the work that they're doing now? Oftentimes with advocacy, though, of course, it depends on the guest. So I wanted to ask you, starting from the beginning, what is your mental health story and journey? From the beginning. Wow. That's a, <laughs> that's a long journey right there. You know, I'm 44 currently. When I was nine, I told my mom when I turned 40, I was going to end my life. Uh, so that lets you know, gives you a glimpse of where I was when I was nine years old. And for some weird reason, my mom would remind me every birthday <laughs> that at 40, I, was, I said I would end my life. And not in a like, are you still going to do it? But just like, uh, I don't know, like it was like a sticky pad. Like it was like this event calendar or something. And, you know, to go back and always try to figure out why I would have said something like that to my mom. I, from an early age, felt like a burden and felt like if my mom had not had myself and my sister, that she could be living a much more luxurious life to say, you know, traveling the world and and just doing cool things instead of having a daily grind of a nine to five, coming home, unbuttoning her pants and, you know, watching TV. But what's interesting is, and I encourage people to, to do this, is that, you know, we really do project our own ambitions, ideas, and, and, and views of the world onto other people. And what I mean is I love to travel and I, and I like, I do like the finer things in life. I also love, I love to camp, but also, you know, let's stay in a, a five-star hotel and I, I want to eat, I want to eat great food. 
And so I felt like I was preventing my mom from doing all that, from seeing the world. I want to, my, one of my goals is to visit all seven continents. I've been a five. I have Australia and Antarctica. And when I finally sat and talked to my mom just a few years ago, her only dream was to raise kids. She, she had no other ambition. And I realized like, you know, I spent so much of my life worried about being a burden to her, not realizing I was a gift and a blessing to her, that my presence was all that was needed. And, and if I had had the, the vulnerability and the presence to sit down and talk to my mom and ask her about what I was feeling as a young kid, I could have alleviated a lot of uh, suffering. But instead, I, I grew up constantly feeling like uh, a burden and I was in a way and and there were things that contributed to that for sure. The, you know, we, we had, we were, we we're okay. We always had a roof overhead, food in the fridge, but I was always aware that, always aware that it was a fragile situation, you know, at any moment, you know, we, we weren't wealthy by any means, but we always, always felt like we had enough. But at the same time that in, in just a month, you know, I felt like we were always a paycheck away from it all going south very quickly. So when you, when you grow up and you're aware of, you know, every penny counts, then you don't want to add to that. You don't want to be the reason why you, your mom, and your sister have to live out on the streets. And so I, I grew up never really asking for anything. And, I, and it's funny because I have friends now who say, you know, Leo, you never ask for anything. And I was like, and, and when I meet people who do ask for a lot of things, I'm surprised. I'm like, what? Like how, I'm like, how dare you ask for things? You know, just, just be grateful for what you've been given. But as we all know, it's a, you can't, we can't have our needs met unless we ask for what we need, unless we are transparent and vulnerable. And, we, and also that we do the homework to find out what it is exactly do we need. Do we need a hug? Do we need to go for a walk? Do we need to take a bath? Do we need 10 minutes to settle down? It's, it's, you know, it's hard to communicate your needs if you're not aware of what they are. And part of like my struggle has been, I spent so much of my childhood and even my adulthood taking care of everybody else's needs that I've, I've you know, haven't really tended to my own. And so I'm kind of, even at this point, a bit disconnected from what I need at any, you know, it's like I'll eat some ice cream and be like, Oh, I didn't need that. I, I didn't need the ice cream. It was good, but I, I didn't need, it wasn't like eat a whole pint good. You know, it was just like two, two, two bites good. So, you know, if there's any message I could, I could really send out to people, it's talk to people, be transparent, let them know what you're thinking of the good and the bad. You know, we, we do a very good job of sharing our highs and we do a good job of sharing Oh, what we did this weekend and where we went and all the food, you know, we take photos of the food we're eating and all that. But to, but to also share the hurt, to share the disappointments, to share the despair, that's where the bonding happens. That's where, that's where we learn to connect with people. And, and yes, it's a risk because you, you risk, you feel like you're risking your relationship, but you're also risking it 
if you don't share, right, right, we, we hear that if we share, our vulnerable sides will be rejected or ostracized or, or shamed. But you, you risk it either way because if you, if you don't share those things, then you start to build resentment. You start to feel lonely because you, you feel like you can't share all of you. And, and it just creates this, it discourages intimacy in relationships. I know that was a long way to answer your question, but I could literally. Yeah, no, you're good. I'm totally the same way. And I, I can totally relate to you when you talk about having this belief from a very young age and early in childhood. For me, it was the belief that I didn't deserve love or that I wasn't good enough for my parents. And because it had been a belief I held since I was little, like five, six, I remember having those thoughts. I didn't know that it could be different. So when I'd gone through 12, 13 years of my life with these thoughts, I just didn't know that people were really genuinely happy or that they loved their life or they thought they deserved love. I just I just thought that was how the world worked. So I can totally relate to you with having those those beliefs and those really strong core beliefs from a very, very young age. So if you were to go back to when you started having those negative beliefs or going through your own mental health journey as a kid, as a teenager, whatever it be, what would you have done differently? You know, that, that's a, it's a tough question. I, I would have to say I wouldn't change anything because uh, I think we have this idea of, oh, if I just change this and I change that, then I'd be so much better and I'd be in this happily ever after. And the truth is I, I could go back and, and make the changes that I think need to be changed. You know, it would be easy for me to be like, well, I should just, you know, at nine years old, be like, hey, mom, am I a burden to you? And and then she would say, no, this is all I've ever wanted. And then we live happily ever after. And and the truth is that life doesn't allow for happily ever after and that there's always challenges and there's always transitions and, and traumas and tragedies. And, you know, nobody saw this, the, the quarantine and COVID-19 happening. And so people are right now grieving they're grieving their job loss, they're grieving a relationship loss, lifestyle. You know, there's just so many levels of grief that are taking place right now that, you know, I don't care how much money you have or, or where you are in life. It's, 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 a, it's a challenge. It's a struggle on different levels. So I, I wouldn't change anything. I, I can only say that when I look back, I, I try to learn from the fact that if I had asked more questions and had, you know, been willing to talk more, you know, as a young boy, as a young man, you know, we don't talk. We just, you know, I just, if I was upset, I just got on my bike and I just rode until I wasn't upset anymore. Or I played basketball or, you know, watched TV, whatever, you know, you, you basically are numbing out or you're acting out. And, oh, that was a good one. Numbing out or acting. Yeah, it was good. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, so, you know, at 44, I, I still battle that, that instinct, that inclination and try to catch myself. And, and, and when, so when me and my girlfriend are, when I feel like there's some distance between us to ask questions instead of walking around with these assumptions and projections. Have you read Glennon Doyle's new book? It's called Untamed. Untamed. You know what? I read uh, Love Warrior. Okay. And okay. I thought it was such an incredible book. She's such a And good my sister's reading Untamed. And I actually want to read it. She's such a great writer. She really paints pictures with the way she writes. But why, why do you mention Glennon Doyle? 
there's this one chapter in her new book and and the the majority of the book is talking about how women have been kind of raised in this like cage of sort in society and taught to not feel certain things and act certain ways and it's a very it's a very pro-feminist book and it talks a lot about unleashing yourself from that shame and that cage that society can put women into and kind of stepping into your own and there's this chapter where she's talking about how she's raised her two daughters from day one to go against that and to stand up for themselves and not be swayed by these beliefs that by these non-feminist beliefs and to go to school and advocate for themselves and not think that they're being a bully or rude but that they're just being a leader and so she's taught herself she's taught her daughters and influenced them with these positive authors and movies and all these things from a very young age like straight from when they were born but she's thinking about her son and she realizes that like she didn't do that for him and she while she focuses so much on women being caged and tamed in a sense with men, she realizes it's the same thing. And they're taught that these emotions or connections or vulnerability, those are bad. And those are things that should not be felt. And so she makes this huge distinction how these seemingly feminine traits as society has labeled them, whether it's vulnerability or crying or emotions or sadness, they're human traits. And what woman had been tamed to fit in a box and stay at home and be in the perfect marriage or whatever it is as she relates to it in her life, men have been put in a cage as far as feeling these emotions and having these human traits, which is what allows us to interact and connect and build these relationships and it it reminded me a lot of what you were saying about still having to combat those beliefs or instinctual reactions that society just ingrains in us for so long yeah i had a buddy of mine because you know i do stand-up comedy and we're all in the green room and you know he's he's an alpha male type of guy however we you know deem that and i I forgot i said something to him just kind of just trying to rib him a little bit and he looked at me and he's like, hey, I'm fragile. And it, it was so funny the way he said it. And it, all, it also made me look at the fact that I have moments where I feel fragile also. And I've been using it also. I just never heard anybody say it. And when he said it, I was like, God, that really describes so, some of what I've been feeling sometimes. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And it's advocating for that. It's letting them know, hey, like I'm having a rough day. Take it easy on me, whatever it is. And communicating that need and advocating for that, because unless you put a name to it or a voice to it and communicate that, they have no way of knowing. So you also have a podcast, the Before You Kill Yourself podcast. And so you're doing phenomenal work with suicide prevention and awareness. And so I wanted to ask if you could tell me and listeners a little bit more about your mission for the show and the work you're doing with that. So my podcast, Before You Kill Yourself, and I struggle with that title for so long. You know, I've had messages from people saying that they were afraid to listen to it because the title itself was triggering. And one of the reasons why I decided to move forward with that title is because we don't talk about it at all. There, there's, there's more, you hear more whispers about it and, you know, a little off in the corner, you might hear a little something about it. And, and occasionally a celebrity will, will end their life and then we'll talk about it for two or three days. And then Monday, we're right back at work doing whatever and talking about sports. But for the most part, suicide today is looked at like, Cancer was 50 years ago where if you had cancer, it was contagious. So nobody talked about it. They didn't want to be around anyone who had cancer. 
And, 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 you know, as I told some of my friends of my struggle with suicidal ideations, I could, I could see a, a slight recoil in the body language and maybe I might get in the phone calls like I used to. And so, cause there's still that stigma, you know, like, it, Oh, if I'm around someone who, who thinks like that, then may, maybe I'll start thinking like that. And so the, the, so I, I realized I had to do something that would be in your face and, and it's like, and it would be clear of what I'm talking. I didn't want to have something like, Hey, thrive with Leo or, you know, just stay. I didn't want something like I'm done with cute. And, and sometimes we, we need both Martin Luther King and Malcolm X to, to move things forward. And I was like, I'm going to pick Malcolm X in terms of this title, but also the title was birthed out of the fact that when I think about the, the moments I wanted to end my life, I've called the suicide hotline twice and the, 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 it's such a small window. It's, it's literally, I go from wanting to end my life to a five minute conversation with someone from the suicide prevention hotline, which by the way, these people are, I've, I've called twice. They are so highly skilled and trained. I've never felt more seen, heard, and understood in my life than I have when I call that number. It makes me just want to call them just to be like, hey, how's it going? Like, it was such a great conversation both times. Yeah, no, that's something I really, really want to do when I get older. They won't let you do it when you're uh, under 18 yeah. um, because it's a liability and stuff like that. But that is really a wish list item for me is to be able to answer those calls and help people when they're at that low because I've been there too. And, and I, I'd recommend for, for listeners, if, if you've thought about it and to call them anyway, even if you're not thinking about it right now, because the first time to call them is the hardest time. You, it, when, when you're really in despair, when you're really, uh, when you feel like you've hit rock bottom, uh, trust me when I say you're not going to call them then. But if you've called them before, and and now you're con- believing that I didn't deserve love or care or authentic <clears throat> relationships or that I would be happy. And I yes. completely flipped that. I taught myself that I did deserve yes. love. I did deserve care. And I taught myself how to have those healthy relationships like that in itself is mental strength yeah. and power and persistence. <laughs> and when yes. I'm like, oh, I'm going to eat healthy, do this new <laughs> eating thing. I'm going to exercise horrible at it so bad so i joke because i'm like i don't know what's missing because i know that i am mentally strong but i can't do it so i think it's that difference between the motivation and the commitment and i have to start implementing that language because i love that so much and the other thing that you said where i was like i've done that before was the five second rule so when i did struggle with anxiety i had these and so i did have panic attacks but this was Mm -hmm. more kind of paralyzing anxiety and i would be sitting and my thoughts would just be going so quickly and so fast and like getting so crazy and out of control and i would get so physically stuck because my mind was racing so much that i would believe that i couldn't move (laughs) so what i would do was the same thing and so when i would get into that really depressed headspace where you can't make that split section where you can't make that split second decision and action to get out of bed or i couldn't break that cycle of anxiety 
and or those thoughts and yes. i would say okay i'm just gonna move i'm gonna yes. count down from five and on one i just have to move and flinch and <laughs> yes. just move my arm a little bit just to break that yeah. and yeah no completely yeah. the same experience so i want to hear about your books you're an author you have five books published i want to hear about what those are about where listeners can find them all of that so they're all on amazon except for one one come is coming out at the end of the month so that one is on fortitude it's more about leadership but i have one on mental health that i co-authored with a few other ladies and and it's just about life life that can happen after mental health and i think we just forget that life can happen after that and then the other three are so two are about my 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 life and my journey like standing in front of that mirror and thinking if i jump like it has got to be better than what i'm feeling right now and you know just my everyday journey so the first three books about my everyday journey of getting out of the depression and the suicide and then the one about mental health with a few ladies and they're all available on Amazon. If they type in my name, which is Young Mitra, they will find all of the books listed listed there as well. And I will put all of those links in today's show notes. So if you guys are interested, you can head down there and find all the links to head over to Amazon. So I also want to hear about your retreat you have coming up. I want to hear about why you started that, what's the purpose, your audience, all of that. So, oh, thank you for mentioning uh, the Sister Rise retreat. I'm in love with this because it's something I've wanted to do. And I knew I needed at a moment in time, but it was not there for me. And so RISE stands for Revitalizing Individual Sacred Energy. And we, I think we forget we have a superpower and our superpower is our mind. And every, and and people's like, no, Jojo, it's not. You are so powerful that every day you convince yourself that you don't belong here. You are so powerful that every day you convince yourself you're not good enough to do anything, but you're the universe. You were designed by the universe to do amazing things. And every day you override the universe and tell yourself you suck. You can't tell me that's not a superpower. So <laughs> we're going to be talking about how to harness our superpower and how to use that. And so it's it's more of sound healing. I'm a friend. I'm a fan of sound healing, uh, Reiki energy healing. And what is sound healing? Um, and so what it's is three that? days. So sound healing is—it's amazing. Like if you're having a really bad anxiety day, I have a playlist, and it's—you can use bells, you can use your favorite sound, and it is something that you associate with peace and calm. And the minute you play it, calmness is over you. And so sound healing just because our body responds to sound, just like your favorite song comes on, you can't help but move. The same things happen with sound healing. Your body can't help but yeah can't help but to relax to it so energy healing sound healing it is an amazing house on the beach it's going to be in hilton Head, south carolina we have a private beach and it's a it's gorgeous as a pool and we're going to be we're going to be doing some real sister i call it sisterhood work sister work and it's only open to 12 ladies and we're just going to come together and you know do that self-care gangster work and begin this journey to use our superpower for good. Yeah, that's amazing. So if you were speaking right now to someone who was at a low with their depression, their anxiety, their relationships, just struggling, whatever it is, what advice would you give them? That you are qualified to be exceptional. You are absolutely qualified to be exceptional. And I think we've, I think that's, if we get down to the core, we all want to be loved. We all want to feel special. We all want a big hug from the universe and we all want to know that we're okay. And at the core of that is that 
you don't think you're qualified for any of that. So today you're qualified to be exceptional. There's no other thought after that. I have a tattoo that says be peaceful, period. And there's nothing after that. So when you're qualified to be exceptional, that takes away any doubt that you're not qualified for love, for life or for anything else. And to never close your mind, to never close your mind to an idea simply because it's miraculous in the middle of you having an anxiety attack. Sometimes you'll have the thought, I really can't get out of this. But because we are so insistent that we can't, that we're not exceptional, we don't even hold on to that miraculous idea. And so today, just for the day, because if you're like me, you can't handle weeks at a time. I really needed seconds at a time, like Jojo, just for this second. So just for the day, just for the second, don't close your mind to an idea simply because it's miraculous. You are amazing and that you're absolutely qualified to be exceptional. So what is the best piece of advice, quote, I guess you could call it a piece of wisdom that you have received throughout your mental health journey that really just changed things for you? Something clicked and it really spoke to your healing. Oh, wow. That's a hard one. Um, <laughs> Look, let me go. I have my, my favorite quotes here and I keep them handy. And uh, some of them are actually my own. Here it is. I have I have two. This one is my own. And I discovered this when I talked to this lady who she, she said, Jojo, if you had not told me what you've been through, I would have killed myself. And I was like, oh, OK, well, thank you. And it is somebody is waiting to hear my voice and they will not move until I move. And that is on my wall. It's on a sticky note on my desk. It's in my purse that no matter how small you think your voice is, someone is waiting and looking at you to survive so that they know it's OK to survive. And the second one would be strengthen your voice by speaking your truth. Uh, and your truth is you're not okay today and be okay to say that and then be okay with saying, I don't feel okay today, but I'm going to try again tomorrow. And I think that's the secret. We try again. We try again. <laughs> it, we, we just don't stop going, trying again. Yeah, no, it's amazing. Yes. And I, I think my mental health journey took such a purpose when I started yes. the podcast. And before that, just like you, I was like, why? Why would God make me go through this? There was no reasoning. I, I just like mm -hmm. you, I didn't understand. I would blame my parents because I was so young and I was like, they raised me. They formed my beliefs and made this life for me. It must be their fault. And there was just no purpose. And after I started speaking out and sharing my story and people were like, this is helpful. Yes. This is hopeful. And that was when I was like, okay, yes. this is why. Yep. This is what I meant to do. And it started to kind of make sense. And I, I love both of those so much. So, yeah, did you have anything else you wanted to add on? Advice, wisdom, anything like that? Nothing I can think of that you, you do an amazing job with, with doing interviewing and asking the best questions ever. Thank you. Ever. <laughs> thank so, you. kudos to you. Yeah, you, you did an amazing job. So, thank you. Yeah, thank you so much, Jojo, for joining me and coming. And so, if you guys want to find Jojo's retreats, her books, her website, her Instagram, all of that will be in today's show notes. Thank you for listening to this episode of She Persisted. If you enjoyed, please share with a friend or family member and leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. To keep up with the podcast, follow me on Instagram at at ShePersistedPodcast or head to my website, ShePersistedPodcast.com. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next Friday.